Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And as you know, I'm always in the market for new talent, new ideas, people doing things on the cutting edge, changing lives, impacting people. And so today I'm happy to bring on Jack Cernit, and he's a professional keynote speaker, a very fascinating profession, occupation. If you can do it very well, you can do very well for yourself and control your time and income. So he's going to talk to us all about his journey and uh, we'll go from there. So uh, Jack, welcome. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we had, uh, I love professional speakers because, um, you know, they always have a story and they use it to impact and move audiences, get results. So um Tell people your, you know, your story, your background and how you got yeah. started. Yeah, I, uh, it's a long one, so I'll do my best to, to bounce around a bit here, but I feel like I'm fortunate enough to have experienced quite a bit that a lot of people can pull from. It's not like I, I have, you know, just like one example in my life that can only a small niche can relate to. Um, so essentially, you know, I'm someone who for the first, I'm 28 years old. I know my beard and mustache probably give it away, but mm-hmm. I'm 28. For the first 23 years of my life, I was terrible at dealing with adversity or anything that happened the way I didn't want it to happen. You know, God forbid, right? The world needs to happen my way. And so from a young age, every time adversity hit, whether it was from injuries, I can go through the gauntlet, I would respond poorly and it would equal stress, depression, anxiety. It was the point where it was the same repetitive responses and I was getting the same crappy results every single time. And so for me, all of my struggles personally were all circumstantial. Any of the mental health stuff I've ever struggled with in my past, it was because it was a cause of something. And so from the get-go, you know, it was double broken feet. I broke my foot once. A day later, I rebroke it, crutches for nine months. What did a young Jack do? He responded with stress, depression, woe is me, the victim mentality, that go-to kind of natural human default. Then it was the broken nose. It was, I almost had my leg amputated. You being a, a physician or a doctor, you might um, know the term compartment syndrome. So in a soccer game, when I was a kid, I got an impact injury and I got a big foot long scar on my thigh. And after that, the same exact response. Woe is me. Why did this happen? Stress, depression. I got stuff taken away from me, my activity. And it ended up getting to the point where when I got to high school, I started connecting the dots and I was thinking, all right, I can't control what's happening to me. So I want to control something. So I started to really control what I consumed and how I did in school. 
So it was all like perfectionism with food, with drinking, with academics. I had to be like hyper control there because all these things are happening to me, the injuries and all that stuff. That was stuff I felt like I couldn't control and I felt like I was losing control. So all that led to that lovely P word perfectionism, which I think a lot of people can probably relate to. Um, so for me, it was a host in a series of adverse events that led to a stress, which eventually led to anxiety, which eventually led to depression, which eventually bled into an eating disorder. And yes, as a guy, as a man, you can't have eating disorders. It's not just uh, a female thing or a kid thing. And so for me, it got to the point where when I was a junior in high school, I'm 6'5", I'm a pretty tall guy. It's hard to tell probably on the screen. I got down to 120 pounds. So I was pretty skinny. I, I was gaunt, as they say. I had to take a, a leave of absence from high school and go to recovery center in Wisconsin. And I ended up gaining weight there, came back, finished well my senior year. And I finally started to connect the dots and realize like, okay, there's got to be a better way to respond to adverse events or when something happens the way you don't want it to happen. And it led into college. So I ended up attending San Diego State University. Everything was great there. And then long story short, my birthday, September 20th of 2017, I was at my birthday dinner. I was like 10 yards away from the ocean. I was with all my friends. I got a pain in my flank. And of course, everyone at the table turns to an expert, right? Oh, it's a kidney stone. It's this, it's that. Everyone turns to a doctor, which I'm sure you probably get a lot. And of course, none of them are right. So I went to the ER that night and it turns out I had kidney disease. I had a kidney infection. And from that point until about three and a half years, I'd be spending the time in the hospital with hospitalizations, infections, and surgeries. And I'll quickly kind of go through the stats. Um, in 2018, I was in the hospital for 303 days. In 2019, I was in the hospital for 290. In 2020, over 100 days. During that span, I had 14 surgeries. Um, I had something called pick lines in my in midlines in my biceps for sepsis and kidney infections. I had nephrostomy tubes that came out of my back, and those were in there for over a year, which is a whole host of series of events. I had a suprapubic catheter coming out of my lower abdomen. And the interesting thing is I had minor stuff in my past that would cause me to feel depressed, anxious, stressed. Whereas this stuff, I eventually got better at responding to, so it didn't quite affect me the same way. Does that make sense? Yeah. And what I ended up doing was I ended up getting really good at controlling my breath, controlling my focus, what I can actually control, and then asking myself questions. And so what I tell a lot of people is questions pull, answers push. And so I'd always ask myself, anytime I had a kidney infection, sepsis, another surgery come up, I was stuck at home, bed bound with all these tubes and everything. How could this be worse and how can I grow from it? And I'd write it down consistently, day after day, reps after reps. And eventually I got really good at responding to adversity, right? And so it's one of those things I like to call post-traumatic growth. Um, you know, just as recently, a month ago, I had my 20th surgery a month ago. And it didn't cause me to feel stressed, depressed, because I have my system now. I have my protocol. And so that was a really long-winded beginning, middle, and end. Um, that leads us up to today as a 28-year-old man in front of you. Um, I'm sure you probably want to jump in or ask questions. But yeah, in a nutshell, that is the uh, the Jack story. And then obviously we can pull from that as needed. Uh, it was interesting because um, you were talking about um, emotional coping mechanisms while you were describing your journey. You know, a lot of 
people have effective coping and ineffective. So yeah, what are what are some uh you mentioned breath and then you mentioned uh ask yourself questions. What are some other um, you know, when you get triggered or you know, yeah. Some, yeah. what are some emotional techniques that you use? Yeah. So first of all, when I was my whole life until about three or four years ago, I would just bottle all up. I'd pretend like I wasn't feeling it, show no emotion, don't address it. If there's something that's causing me emotional strain, just pretend like it's not there. And obviously, as I'm sure you know, that just starts to build up, build up, build up until it explodes. And I also felt like there's shame in asking for help, which couldn't be farther from the truth. Something I tell my audiences, which are mainly like middle schools, high schools, and colleges all the time is, Asking for help is not giving up. It's just flatly refusing to give up. It's just a fact. And what I, the mistake I made for so many years, I never asked for help. I hate all this stuff. You know, I was a straight A student. I was a first team All-State athlete. I was a fairly popular kid. You know, I couldn't show, in my young mind, I was like, oh, I can't show a sign of weakness. So I would never ask for help. I would bottle up and hide any emotions. And that's like the last thing we should be doing. And so I think First and foremost, uh, to your point, coping mechanism is allow yourself to feel how you're feeling. Like our human experience is all spectrums, anxiety, stress, frustration, happiness, sadness, joy, bliss. So don't resist the feeling. And then number two, for me, the biggest one was like asking for help, because obviously you can do stuff and we can do stuff on our own. But if we can get people to help us, counselor, people we know, trust and love, a therapist, they can see our blind spots. And they can help us find better coping mechanisms or call it up, call us out on our BS or our lying. And so those two things were big there. Um, and then the last one for me, the main one, that's a great coping mechanism that I still do every single day is, you know, so I had all these things happen, like adversity, stuff I didn't want to happen. And that was kind of just scratching the surface, everything I went through. And I sucked at responding to it. So I figured, let's just practice responding to difficult situations. And so Every single day, it's a goal of mine to choose adversity so I can practice mentally and physically controlling my breath, controlling my focus and getting through it. So when life organically throws crazy stuff your way, you're not caught off guard. You don't panic. You don't go into that victim mentality mode. You're prepared as prepared as you can be. Now, that doesn't mean if I break my toe after this interview, I'm not like, yes, I I'm so pumped. I'm so pumped. It just means I've been through difficult situations. I've practiced my response to them. So I know in my heart I can handle it. It's not the lose control, be a victim response, which I was for, for so many years, you know, and I didn't really know any better, right? I think that's part of human nature. It initially, it's our survival mechanisms in our brain. We go to that, like, why me? Why is this happening? It's, we don't naturally respond in a really productive way. We've got to train our brains to get there. And as I'm sure you know, with anything in the medical field or anything in life, you got to put reps in. Reps, reps, reps. Repetition is the mother of all skill. And so for me, it's a daily practice. The more reps you put in, the better you're going to get. Good and bad. Good and bad. Mm, I love that. Well, you know, uh, moving forward, um, what's what's interesting is uh, so you've you had this uh, experience and you have this, um, and now you're yeah. sharing it by speaking. Tell people how you're sharing your stories. Yeah. So I, uh, I go primarily into middle schools, high schools and colleges. You know, I think first of all, it helps when you're a student and you have someone come in and tell you stuff that isn't your teacher or parent, it kind of hits different. You know what I mean? I know I got a lot of value when I was a student from hearing guest speakers coming, even if it was about subjects that didn't really relate to me, 
it was super impactful and I just, I perked up more naturally. So I think that one is what's so pivotal and why I love doing what I'm doing. But I go in and, and essentially the goal is to like destigmatize the whole umbrella of mental health. I think it's still, we're getting there, but I think it's still one of those things where it's a little taboo, especially for the younger crowd who wants to like show how alpha they are to talk about it, right? When I talk to a lot of these schools and I start lining up these gigs, most of these schools tell me they have a handful of students, if not a large portion, that are 5150s, which basically means they're suicidal or they have suicidal ideations. And so the need is there, right? And by no means do I have all the answers, but if I can explain like how I went from this to that and how they can start to implement it, that is huge for some of these kids. Um, so I, I basically go through a longer form of my story. Obviously, stories are huge. Never tell a point without a story. Never tell a story without a point. And then um, we do breakout sessions sometimes. I, I specialize in working with some athletes dealing with injuries because having a lot of experience, not being able to play sports or do my thing. I'll do breakout sessions with athletes at some of these schools. But that's the gist of it is share my story, make it clear, concise, give them some tangible things to go home with, and then make it okay like to have that conversation. There are so many people at these schools or in families that are willing to help. And something I always tell kids and tell adults even is your loved ones, the people that you know, trust and love, they would always hear from you than about you. They'd rather hear from you than about you in the obituary that you're in the hospital, that you did this, you did that. They want to hundred percent rather hear from you. Now, that being said, if you go to a counselor or a therapist, you might not gel with them right away. Like it just might not be the right fit. You know what I mean? Or if you go to someone you you know, trust and love, they might respond in like a really negative way or be like, oh, just suck it up. That doesn't mean you need to stop. Like keep asking, keep searching for that help until you find that person you can gel with and that you trust to, to open up with. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love that. Why is it uh, in your, in your um, experience how do you know people have stories, but how do you translate into speaking on stages? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. I have a decent amount that's happened in my life, but there's people in my speaking agency and people, my, my coworkers, if you want to call it that, that have had like one crazy life event, but they've turned it into this whole entire career. And so I think you can throw a rock to someone who can relate to you in some way. A lot of times when I'm starting a speech, I'll literally just start by asking, like, who in here has ever had something bad happen to them? Every single human raises their hand. Immediately, we have something in common. And then, all right, cool. Let's learn how to deal with that in a better way. And so whether it's, you know, it could be any subject. All I know is like every you, you yourself, I guarantee you have life experiences that if you go talk on stage, at least one person in the audience will get something from it. And that could be the difference between them saving their life or not, or telling that to one of their friends and helping them right? that word of mouth. And so uh, I'm not really sure if that answered your question well, but part of it too is I remember when I was younger, I had a mentor and they basically said, and this didn't really click and I didn't really uh, embody this for a long time. Everything that's ever happened to you or to me or to anyone, I really believe it was chosen for us so that we could learn how to conquer it and then teach others how to do the same. And if you keep having the same experience, I think it's because you haven't quite learned what you need to learn from yet. And so for me, like I, I kept having God, the universe, life, whatever you want to call it, throw these crazy obstacles in my life. 
because I was responding like an idiot the whole time and making the same mistakes over and over again, over and over again. And eventually I learned how to handle it better. And then I can pass some of that knowledge and wisdom on other people. Does that make sense? Very fascinating. And, um, you know, the most, the most powerful speakers, they learn how to channel that and deliver it. And, um, yeah. almost like a, it's almost, almost like a musician or, or an artist. How the, how- uh, yeah, you're exactly right. The art of speaking it's, it's a, it's a skill and, and I'm always trying to get better at it. Tone of voice, all that kind of stuff. You're exactly right. How can you plant these seeds in the audience's brain for them to actually take action and not just feel motivated for five seconds or get it for five seconds and then go back to their old ways? Like, how can you actually like make a lasting impact? I think that's the, the overarching goal. Yeah. How do you, how can people contact you, follow you, uh, check out your uh, yeah. social Website. Uh, website is jacksernetinspires.com, just all in a row. Um, on there, you can see video testimonials, a little promo video, um, all my past clients and speaking gigs. Um, social media, Jack on Instagram. Facebook is just my name, Jack Cernet. Um, TikTok is, I believe, just my name as well. I don't get on there very much. Um, and then I actually can even give out an email. I, I, I respond to emails very well. And I get quite a few students after speeches that reach out to me via email or social media. Uh, my best one is contact at jackcernet.com. Excellent. And uh, let, for the audience, let's thank Jack for um very inspiring story, uh, storytelling, and um, how to become a professional keynote speaker, public speaker, sharing your story with the world, making impact. And all of Jack's resources will be in the links and show notes. And thanks so much for coming onto the podcast. Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. you are listening if you like it be sure to like comment share subscribe we're on everywhere spotify itunes google amazon audible and without much ado be sure to thank this show's sponsors and we'll see you next week